Welcome to another edition of the Inside Scoop. This is the first podcast of the year 2022. Happy New Year to all of our loyal listeners. It's been a great year in the past for the Anytime Soccer Training crew. And so I want to thank you guys for all your support. I want to thank those members on the Facebook group for uh, your contributions and keeping the conversations lively. And what has been happening on the Facebook group is exactly what I wanted to happen, which was engage with members, uh, disagree with members, fellowship with members, and then invite them on to share their stories. And that's exactly what we're going to do. So I did almost like a three-part interview with Coach Tuka from Finland by way of Germany and Canada. And now we're doing the grand finale where we go into learning about youth soccer pathways in Finland. And we're going to, and his, his, his background is so diverse. His background is so interesting that we may jump all over the place. And I've just enjoyed our conversations. So Coach Tuka, welcome to the show. And tell us, tell us your first and last name, where you're at, and tell us about your YouTube channel. Hi, Neil. Thanks for inviting me, first of all, and Happy New Year. Thank you. Um, well, I am originally from Finland, born and raised there, played there through the youth and went to the first team there, played four years in a Finnish first league, got a contract from Germany in a third Bundesliga, played there for 10 years between third and fourth league, injured myself, did a re-education, went to the coaching and moved 10 years ago to Canada. So Niagara Falls, Canada, because my wife is originally from here. So that is my little background. Wow, that sounds interesting. So what professional club did you play for in Finland? TPS Turku. That's in the southwest of Finland. Very traditional club. So now they are relegating, promoting every second year. But back then it was very, very, very high level club. And uh, very traditional in Finnish levels. Okay. And so, and then when you went to Germany, who did you play with? There I played amongst uh, FSV Frankfurt, TSG Hoffenheim. I was in Erdingen. So I was in various clubs there too. Okay. So what we'll do is I'm going to ask you to chat those names to me and I'm going to put them in the show notes as well. So people can look those up. You know what I mean? And maybe when we go there, we can drop your name. I'm sure you have, okay. a, I'm sure you have a statue outside of the uh, stadium anyways. <laughs> not quite there it's right next to Ronaldo yeah yeah exactly all right so so all right here we go that I will say one more thing though man if you were like um 20 years younger I think you the MLS would have been you know great for you right I could see you playing it in Toronto or something like that um all right so here we go the Inside Scoop is a podcast dedicated to helping parents learn about the soccer pathways that would be available if their child lives in another city. And there's a lot of content online from the coach's perspective. But what I want you to do is put your tour guide hat on. So imagine we in a stop and start tour bus learning about youth soccer. And we're going to start with Finland. The way we're going to do that is I'm going to compare it really quickly to the States, but our listeners are familiar with youth soccer in the States. You're familiar with youth soccer in the States. So I'm only going to give a very, very high level. And the biggest high level is we have school soccer and we have club soccer. School soccer for us starts in middle school, which is about 12, 13 years old. And they have teams that are associated with the schools. And then they, they end up playing within their, uh, they have conferences, so they play all the local schools. And if they're really good, they make it to the playoffs. And eventually you can play against the other schools in your state. But high school soccer seasons in America are really short, or soccer seasons in America are relatively short and not considered to be at the highest level, even though they can be relatively high sometimes, especially when you get to big cities in California, but they're not considered to be as high a level as the club, club soccer. But what, what makes the states different than most parts of the uh, world is our club soccer is dominated by more of a commercial pay-to-play system. 
And again, I'm not going to go into all the details, but what that effectively means is um, our equivalent of grassroots, which will be recreational soccer. It's only people really only play that at, at the beginning of their um, um, soccer journey. And then their parents typically then say, OK, we're going to fork out the couple thousand dollars to play club. And then our club soccer is defined by levels of competitiveness. With the highest level of a club team would be it could be attached to a professional team. And then you have high level clubs, teams that are not attached to professional teams, but they're run like a professional academy for the most part. The biggest things that are different is um, even at the highest levels, like when you're like 10 or 11, your, your parents still could be paying a lot of money for you to play. This is very unusual in the rest of the world. Another big, big difference is they don't typically sign in the way they do in, in Europe. So you don't really sign with Arsenal Academy at 14 and guaranteed play there for two years. It doesn't work that way. And these clubs that have these top academy teams, so even at FC Dallas, will still have all of these other teams associated with them. So these clubs will be massive commercial enterprises where even the biggest clubs in um, Europe, they just don't house all of these teams. So it's almost like in Europe, the club, the academy program is an investment where in the youth system is an investment where in the States, it's more of a revenue generating piece. Now, where I depart a little bit, and I'll leave it with this, I don't necessarily say, say this is intrinsically bad. It's just very, very different. The reason I don't say it's intrinsically bad is because many of our American parents, they want to get more soccer experience for kids who would not receive that type of attention and experience in other parts of the world. So I, I, use, I did a podcast and I liken it to maybe taking a karate class or taking, you know, a judo class or a computer science class. They're just paying for extra tuition where in the rest of the world, they don't really see soccer, at least from what I can tell, definitely in London, they don't see it like that. It's kind of just part of the culture. It's not something that you would go out and pay a lot of money for. And then it's like, okay, everybody plays. And then this guy walks up and sees you and is like, oh my goodness, this kid is amazing. And then he or she, the scout, then goes to the parents and says, I know everybody else out here is just playing and having fun, but yours, he has something. And so then at that point, the parent says, oh, really? Okay. And then that's when the whole everything starts, starts uh, happening. Now, I'm generalizing. There are people, parents, obviously, who are very intentional in Europe saying, listen, I want my child to get these opportunities. But from my friends, it's normally a little bit the other way around. I'm going to put my child in football. Then they start noticing that the child is really good. And then the scouts start noticing it and it kind of works itself backwards. Where in the States, it's, the, it's a little bit the other way around. The parent sees something. OK, let me try to get them in the best possible position. And then hope, let's hope it works out when they get older. It's a little bit different. So that wasn't a great summary of how the system works, but people who are listening to the show kind of know how, to, how the um, American system works. So I was just trying to give a little bit of nuance there. All right, so now that I said all that, coach, I'm in Finland, Finland. To the best of your ability, and you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to travel from when you were a kid up to modern day, what you know now, and kind of try to fill in the blanks. But I, I got my 10-year-old son. We'll go with boys first. They plop down in Finland, and they want to, in your city, and they want to play football. What are you going to tell them? What are the, First of all, which city are, are we going to talk about, and what are sort of the opportunities to play soccer there? We, we're talking about Turku. It's in the southwest of Finland. And it has a first league team and two second tier teams and a lot of below that. And all those teams have their youth system. 
So. Okay, so let's hold on. So if we in that city, you're already going to tell them. The first thing you're telling them is they have a professional team, this like an EPL team, and then they have two second tier teams. That's the yes. first thing you're telling them. Yes. And and then there are, and then, so I understand those are two adult, three adult teams. That's the first, that's the kind of like, um, control the landscape. Is that a fair way of saying it? Like there's three main teams. Is that the first thing you're telling them? I, I think it got off a little bit. Oh, I'm saying, all right, I come to Finland and I, and I plop down. Is the first thing you're going to explain to the, to me is that there are three big professional teams. One is the equivalent of the EPL and there are two lower division. Yes. And then there is lower and lower and lower all the way to the fifth or sixth league. Okay. And then there are other professional teams that go all the way down. Like they're not really professional anymore. So lower you get, less it gets, right? Yes. But if you have a U10 kid, every club has a youth system and every youth system has a senior team. So now when the kid goes whatever club you choose to go, your goal is to get in the first team of that club. Okay, so let me cut you off there. So, so yeah, so now we're getting the skeleton together. So one way that my child could play is for one of the youth clubs in their youth system with the goal of making their first team and their first team will mean something different based on the level they are. That's one. Are there other ways that's not part of that club system that the kid could play soccer, organized soccer? Not really. <laughs> not, you Every, know, everything is tiered. Otherwise it says like hobby. Yeah, and, and, I, and I always, yeah. and I have, and the, I have to belabor this. Every guest, I'm always have to keep. It's almost like you're being interrogated. So every guest, I go through this because they're like, "No, that's it." So I want to be crystal, crystal clear. So there's no like franchise. Like here we have or parks and recs that say we got a league. There's nothing like that. You're gonna no. play for one of these clubs. You, if you want to play, you join a club. And That's it. the cl clubs are in the different levels. Otherwise, yes, there might be somebody just organizing free play and those, but those happen basically players are calling out, you want to come on the field and play. Those happens naturally. But let if you come into my town and you call whatever club it is, can I come and practice? They say always, welcome, right? So let's say you end up into the middle of the park with different levels because they all tiered because the higher your first team plays of course that attracts more the youth to go well i want to play for that team but so let me let me all right so i come there and let's for the purposes of this let's say i come at the perfect time that the club is now starting a new season are they going to tell me that we have tryouts or and then they're going to place you on a certain team or they're going to say we got trials and you may or may not make our club or, or what? They now the American culture is going to Finland. I've been so long away from Finland, but normally you just call a club and say, I have 10 year old. Can he join the practice? And they say, go ahead. Cause okay. it doesn't, it doesn't hurt anything to be there two weeks. Right? So now let's say you land into the B team b and they say i don't think your qualities are good enough but we have a team in a c level whatever that is right so they kind of help you and they in in a way they work together like i don't think you have a spot here but they are looking for players or they might say like well we take you but you're way beyond our level this team might be interesting of you but of course the team like what we like you here but i think you would be able to even play there not all the time this is the ideal world this is where i lived in i happen to be privileged to be in our first team like first best team in our town but whoever didn't make our team 
there was always that next team. They guided you there. Whether you take that spot there or not, that was up to you. But they didn't just like, oh, sorry, cut you off and then that's it. You're on your own. They actually say, you don't have a spot for you, but this team, call that coach. He's waiting for you. Okay. So when we, when you um, say these are clubs, and I obviously can picture um, like if they're at the professional level, but how are you defining a club? Is it a nonprofit with a board of directors or like, what is yes. it? Yes. It's nonprofit. It's the same way technically <coughs> done here too. No franchises. I, to me, the franchise is, it's a, it's a bad word somehow. Cause you might take the whole club in another city. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. And then, and in North America, you don't have that culture. You don't, if you go to the youth club, it might be just a youth club. And then you're not eligible to play in a youth anymore. You're on your own. There's like, now what? Yes. And that is the hard part. And of course, you have the players who are really good and they come from that small club, make the first team already 15 or 16. That's where they start to be picked. Oh, there's a kid in that place in the third league scoring goals every week. Let's call him into our team. Swoop the whoop, you're in the second or first league. Okay, so be but before we get there, so I got that. You come, it, you join a club, they're going to put you on a team that fits you. They're going to have different tiers within the club, and if they don't have something for you, they may refer you to another club. I got that. The club is, a, is typically a nonprofit. I got that part. Let's talk about league structure to the best of your ability. Like, if I came to you and I said, okay, well, who am I going to play? How is it organized? Who am I going to play against? Let me give you a Let me give you some context from, from when my area in the States. We have several leagues and you get more and more leagues and the leagues get more and more of a larger footprint as the kids get older. Those leagues are governed by, um, they can be created by U.S. soccer. So U.S. soccer has these leagues, and then clubs can be part of those. And then there's another governing body, U U.S. club soccer, and U.S. club is just a sanctioning body, and they allow clubs to create leagues, or someone will create a league and invite all the clubs to join. And then they have I'm not doing a good job. It's, it's all over the place. I'm not doing a good job of explaining it, but the best way to explain it, maybe if I, let me take a step back. So we have leagues where clubs form leagues, right? We have leagues where sanctioning bodies create leagues. And when those sanctioning bodies create these leagues, um, they're normally defined by level of competitiveness and regional footprint. So as a child gets older, the team, for example, will have an opportunity to play to see if they can get into this particular regional league, which is more competitive. And then if they do well in that league, then they have an opportunity to play to see if they get into this another league that's even more spread out and even more competitive. They do that when they maybe get into this national league. And so, and all that stuff is governed by either governing bodies like U.S. soccer or U.S. club, right? And that's a very, very short version. And let me compare that to say how someone described to me in France. In France, it's the federation. You're just in the federation. They run the leagues. It is what it is. So I'm saying all that to say, now that I've given you two extremes, Tell me what, how it works in Finland to the best of your ability. Like in France, government body, association, they tier the leagues, they play regional, district, and then bigger picture, whole Finland. That European model is everywhere. Like it's a European model. It's not just France has this style and this. No, they all play with the same model. So that's the beauty of it. It's everything is same. So if you're in your city, you're going to be in a, region, in, a, in a league that's governed by your governing body for that particular area. Yes. Okay. It depends on it. Of course, it depends on the age group too. 
once you get older, you might stay, let's say if you are already U15, you might stay in your regional level, whereas I already played nationally. So there is still whatever club you are. I was in a top club. We played nationally, but then there was other league who played still regionally or district level. Yes. So different levels of it. So they yes. all leveled. And here in North America, if your team is good and you win your league next year, you're automatically in a better league. But in Europe, the age group heritates the spot. So if my age, U13s, goes up, that might still mean that in U14s you play league lower because the year before they didn't go up. Yeah, and you know, someone described that to me in Germany and I just, it was like a tongue twister to me. So, <laughs> so yeah, all right, all right. Okay, so the U13s, let's say they get promoted. So now the new, the U12s who are going to be U13s are going to inherit a higher league. Yes. But then the U14s, if they did not, those U13s that become U14 are still in that. Exactly. Yeah, it's weird. It's kind of weird. But, okay. but, think of, but think about it now. You start getting the hierarchy. The best kids naturally pushes to the best club. Then the next ones pushes the next one. Everybody finds kind of like organically their own level. So you're playing not in the highest competition. You're playing in your best perfect competition for you as a development and then you're good you jump maybe to the other club or you know then you always have these crazy parents oh my kid should be playing there you know what i mean yeah so well i was gonna you say that but that's what i was gonna ask how how aware were you as a kid of that well i i was privileged to play in a top team so everybody wanted to try out in our team but it was a tough cookie to crack. We ended up being in U20s. We won twice the national championship. So it was really? very tight knit. It was very tight knit. But the first years, first three years, we had two teams and they were, our coach was very smart. He made them equally strong. And everybody's, oh, you would win the championship in U12, U13. He said, that is irrelevant. Well, oh, you're crazy. You're hindering your kids winning. It's like irrelevant. Eventually that merged together, that team. And we ended up winning where it mattered, the highest level of the youth. And it's a crazy so, story. <laughs> that is, okay. That is crazy. So with these clubs, to the best of your knowledge, how are they funded? How do they get money to do whatever it is they do? Fundraising. Of course, parents do have to pay. You know, of course, the more you do, the price goes up. Less you do, the price stays low. So, but they organize, actually organize, organize very strongly all kind of uh, fundraisings. When they have tournaments, they're selling coffee and cookies. And so there's many ways they're looking for sponsors. So that culture is also big there that they really, really try to organize everything that you pay as little as possible. So... All right. But then how much, so then I'm going to ask this question and go back to that then something, but are, are you making, do you make a clear delineation between grassroots and pro Academy football youth Academy? Yeah, there, there's a clear difference too. Um, you don't pay for Academy and the grassroots, you don't really travel. So, but, but hold on, though. Low, but right? now we're going to talk about the, the time difference. Maybe the years may make it a little bit more complicated. But your team that won the national tournaments were they a cat pro academy? No, or were they grassroots? Just just clubs. Well, let's team youth team under a club, <laughs> youth team under a club, and we played against youth teams under, under a, club a club from but, different, different cities. But if I fast forward it to today, would that youth team under a club be an academy? No. Academy is on the side of it. Then the best players from the youth club are picked into the academy system. So academy itself is not a team. It's a place to train. So y'all didn't have, but you, 
so you know how like in the UK, I can play for Man City as an academy and I'm on a Man City Academy team and we go play each other. Is that not how y'all did it? No, that is a little different there. Okay, they so y'all... The England has that little weird system too that they have the reserves and they play against each other too. So it's a little bit like core idea is same, but it's a little bit different. And of course, if my club has academy system, that is from different age groups. So yes, you can make a team and play other academies, but it's not playing own league itself. Then the play academy team goes and plays friendlies and then the players come back and go to their own teams within the club and then they continue the league. All right. So I really want to unpack that. I really want to be crystal clear on that. So you have your club, your top team on the club, and you guys are playing with each other. And then I'm going to make this number up. Two or three of you guys really good. You get plucked to a professional academy. Yes. And you're saying you're training with them. And you're saying you can train with them while you're with your club. That academy is in the club. It's not outside of the club. Oh, okay. So you get plucked yeah. by that club's academy and you're okay. And y'all now you're training with that academy team. It's like extra training. It's like extra training. But you're still under the same club. You're still under the same club. And you'll yes. still play on the national league with that club. But that academy club, the academy program can't organize academy games as well. Yes. They they do friendlies, they play here, there, and they mix. That's where the mixed age groups comes. So if I had to um, use terms I'm familiar with, I'm Manchester United, right? So Manchester United has a club team that you were talking about that plays in the national tournament. But Manchester United also has their academy. Using, I assume. I'm trying to use I can't a, say. Uh, no, I'm, yeah, I'm only I, using... Yeah. No, I'm only using a, a, um, a name that our audience yeah. will be familiar with. Right. So I'm saying I'm using Manchester United is synonymous to your top professional team. So now Manchester United has their academy that they've plucked a couple of your players from, different age groups, they're in the academy system. And, you, and I'm saying if I – and maybe this is confusing it, but now in Finland, the equivalent of Manchester United's academy – will also play a few friendlies against other academies. Yes. It's separate from that national team that they're also playing with. They have a youth team in a certain league, which they play year-round or whatever that structure is. And on the side, they have academy system where they train extra and they might play from that extra, extra friendlies. That makes sense to me. Now... So then when we start thinking about grassroots, though, the youth club in that team, the coach of that team, is that coach getting paid? Most likely. So even that coach is getting paid? Hopefully, because they <laughs> put a lot of sacrifice in there. The, the amount is irrelevant, but hopefully they get a compensation. They get in compensation. So, yeah. so now I'm going my way down. Yeah, yeah. And how many days a week is that team, your team, the club team does not the academy. How many days a week, don't count the academy extra training. How many days a week are they training? I would say minimum three times, maybe so four. They're training three to four times. And then the academy, is the academy coming and saying, and we want you to do an extra day to make it five? Or are they saying, we're going to peel you away for a couple of the training? So it's not, it's not making it necessarily more. You get what I'm trying to say? Yes, not overloading. Um, there's different ways to do it. Some has organized that the schools allowed the players to go in the mornings and they train in the mornings. Or they might say that today we have academy training here. He's not coming to the club training, team training. So those are always, but they try to, of course, always work together because they're the same club. Um, it is always an intention that the player gets the best possible training and the team environment comes always first. But what I can't picture is how um, good, how esteemed is the club coach compared to the academy coaches? 
that I can't tell that, but they should have very good. <laughs> they should be kind of, they should, they should be tight knit, but I have a assumption. We know, I know coaches, how we are. I think there's always the friction. The it's other one says, oh, he's not doing this and he's not doing that. There's always that hundred <laughs> percent. And it knowing was... offense. Yeah. Jealousy is our national pride. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> so what's the youngest in Finland that you're going to be scouted to be part of the academy system in some, in some form or fashion? Normally the academy starts in and around 15. So you don't even do like the Man City, like U10, U, it's none of that. I, I don't think that is necessary, but Brits are always, I'm not saying that the Brits are even the best benchmark to, for coaching. So I'm not a great fan of England's coaching system or how they play. So I can't really, I don't want to really go in there, but I don't see that it's a right way. So whatever they do, that you scout the four-year-old, come on, the guy came to start out of diapers. Yeah, right? exactly. So, so yeah, so, and, but, but even being agnostic about their outcomes, because I do agree, as a matter of fact, they benefit a lot from foreign players, but being agnostic about their outcomes, you can get quote unquote signed from a UK academy. I want to say around nine or 10, and then you get into what does sign mean? It effectively means you're going to be with the team for a year. So I'm saying there's no one out there scouting the next eight year old in Finland. Is that's not how it works. You're just going to be playing for the top club team. Uh, to be honest, there probably is. There shouldn't be, but there probably is, okay. right? So it's like recruiting shouldn't happen, but I'm pretty sure it does, right? Absolutely. So, so to put it in a bow, so there's going to be re- there's two levels of recruiting. Though there's going to be recruiting to be in your club team. Oh, you know what? And I keep I keep going back and forth on this in my mind. If the child is playing for that club then they're almost by de facto being part of the academy if the academy knows that they're going to pluck them to be part of the academy at 15 anyways. Is that a fair way of thinking about it? There is no guarantees that you're going to get picked. No, I know, but okay. So you remember I said how, you know, we were just saying, um, I was using an extreme example, how Man City um, recruits a nine-year-old. I'm saying in Finland, your, from what I understand, your academy doesn't go that low, no, that age. But the equivalent of Man City, who has the club team and the academy, and knows that they want, they may want you in their academy at fifteen. I'm just hypothetical, no, no judgment. We know that might not happen. We could possibly still recruit you to be part of their club because they're going to build a pipeline to eventually get into your into their academy. Is that a fair way of? saying that could possibly happen or they don't think about it like that at all? I hope it doesn't happen that way, but I'm pretty sure it does, right? Okay. So the, the sad but true, and the, the recruitment goes lower and lower all the time. For whatever reason, we have the urgency to spot the next Messi. And that's when it gets younger and younger. And now we have somebody in a YouTube doing little tricks or Instagram tricks. Oh, that's going to be a next messy. No, well, now you put the seven-year-old really on the spot. They Absolutely. don't need that. So now Man City comes and signs them. I believe that it's a part of a marketing trick too. Look what will be signed. But that makes that spiral go. Oh, I want to be the next one who is recruited. I want to be the next one. And then the parents get involved too much. Yes, I get it. So. All right, so, but now let's go back to my hypothetical. My son moves there. He happens to be the greatest thing since Messi, okay? And he's just playing around in the schoolyard, just dribbling past all the kids. He's just amazing. In England, someone is going to call somebody and say, hey, you need to go and look at this kid. In Finland, in Finland, in your city, and this is a gross generalization, okay? It's someone 
somebody going to come and say, you need to come play in our club? You think that's going to happen? Yes, absolutely. They're going to, hey, I know a club. Are you interested? Yes. Okay. And then does that club, the adults, so now we go back to England. In England, the adult, the parents, and the coaches know that the day you sign at nine years old to be at Arsenal, putting all the judgment aside for a second, the goal is for you to become a professional player, okay? Yes. In Finland, my son dribbling past everybody. Next thing says Messi. Someone sees and says, hey, you need to go to this club. Is that culturally what the parents are thinking? And, and this is in general. Is that what the coaches are thinking at that moment, or or it doesn't 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 work that way? I think human mind works the same way everywhere. So I think if big club calls you, you're gonna be in a big club, <laughs> whether the kid says yes or no, because <laughs> there's always a way to make the kid like the club. You know, you get used to it. It's like arranged marriage, right? So it's like you know you want to be there do you what does the kid will say right yes so. but let me but let me give you let me let me let me throw something at you so that we because i don't know if i'm doing a great job of explaining this part in the states okay if you have a nine-year-old is really good and you as a parent and a club called and said they wanted to see him and wanted him to play and you as a parent said this is great. I want you guys to know my goal is for them, for my son to be able to play on your first team. This would be considered very um, uncouth. This would be right. considered very, uh, not very nice. People would judge you. Okay. This is not very nice thing to say. No one would ever publicly say this. In the UK, if Man City called your nine-year-old and you, and you came and said, I, I'm, I'm happy that he's going to play here, but I'm not so sure that I want him to become a professional footballer, this also would be considered embarrassing. They would say, well, what are we even here for? What are we talking about? So what I'm basically trying to say is in Finland, you have a nine-year-old, you have a 10-year-old, they're dribbling past everybody. Club calls and says, hey, Tuka, I want your son to come try out. Are you saying in your head, there's no use me going down there unless the goal is for him to become a foot, uh, first team footballer? Or are you saying, well, oh, this would be a nice experience to see how it goes? Like, what is the culture like? And it may not be an easy answer. I know it depends on each parent, too. You really put me in a spot and, here. And uh, I'm going to put you even more <laughs> in a spot. And it's the club coming to you saying, this is our plan for turning or this is our plan for helping your child become a professional? Are they I not thinking about it like that at all? I don't think they use the word professional there, but they might approach it that we see a lot of potential in your kid. And I think we would be able to help your kid to proceed towards his goals. I think it's the same way to say it. Like we're going to make you a pro, right? It's a, but I think it's, I think the word professional is there not used almost at all because the reality is you end up in different levels and different ways to get different levels. Whereas here you have very limited pathway because you only have limited amount of levels you can play. And in your own club, you don't even have the first, because if, if my bigger club comes and says, we have a spot for you, eventually, if you're good enough, you could play in our first team. So there is already a path to the higher level. And the lower club says the same thing. We want you to join us, eventually play in our first team, and maybe you might jump from the first, our first team to that first team. So yeah. they actually, there, and if the small club kid makes to the even bigger kid, uh, club in that town, they take pride of it. It's not jealousy. It's like, look, our kid got into that team. Yeah, and so you kind of answered my question indirectly in that it's kind of built into the pathway that's not even in the human design anymore. It's like 
regardless of what we how we feel about it this is the pathway that's there and if you do well then this you're going to be on the first team and anything can happen and so i understand that where in america because the pathways are not so clear cut um which actually has some advantages and some disadvantages it's not it's just not that clear it's just not clear so anyways all right i got that so we're going to breeze through only a couple more questions so um volunteering the volunteer coaches at what stage do you stop having a volunteer coach so you remember we talked about you had a different levels of teams so at your national team level or the team that won the national um, tournament you said no that was a probably a paid coach but as you start getting lower is the is the coach a volunteer it depends on a club and uh you might even get a volunteer in the highest level. It's all about negotiation, right? So if it's a, do you want to come and coach with us? It's like, yeah, but I, you know, let's put the money on the side. I don't care about it. I'm, I'm well up, right? I just love doing it. So that always is situational. It depends on everything. Like if somebody calls me, do you want to come and coach? I'm like, yes, sure, I come. How does it look like? Oh, three times a week, do the yada yada. It's like, is there any kind of compensation? No. It's like, okay, thanks, but I don't have time for that in that base. You know, like it it depends really on, you know, like if you're getting paid or not getting paid, that doesn't make you professional or unprofessional, right? Exactly. But I'm asking that more so thinking about the the parents, how much the parents pay. So how much do the parents pay? If you had to remember, I'm moving there and I say, okay, what's the range that I could possibly be paying for soccer? What I are you going to tell say. I can't say because I've been away for 20 years. I have to call my brother if that. Yeah, you have to call him. So, <laughs> and, and that's fine. I tell everybody, you know, you're not going to be an expert on soccer in the area. But I was basically saying if the parents aren't paying that much, then, you know, either the coaches has to be volunteering or they have to be raising money some kind of way. So yes. that's kind of where that question gets into. There is there is price tag on it. And it, the, normally the payment comes from the club for the coach. But, of course, then the parents are paying certain amount of dollars to the club. So. Okay, got it. All right. So when you start getting to those kids who are, when they get older and they're plucked from the academy, I mean, to play in the academy. And what I'm going to say might be a little bit hard to picture and it's hard to even ask the question, but what I'm trying to get is a sense of relative comparison. So you got the 16 year old that is now training with the first team of the club and the academy. If you go two levels down, um, and I don't even know if this is the best way to de describe it. How how much better is that kid than the two levels down? It how big is the divide? And the reason I'm saying that is because in the, in this in this in my club, not my club, the club in my area, the divide between the academy kid, the kid that they consider to be a cabin, and one level down is not that not that big and then two levels down is you you would notice it but the kids two levels down could play on the team but they three levels down the academy kid would just it'll be like they're the only kid on the pitch they just be running through everybody one level is either or if they're jockeying and two levels is kind of close so for your perspective like how do you how would you start thinking about it like let's say that i played in the academy and I said, you know what? I don't want to do academy anymore. How many levels down could I go before everybody started saying, wow, this guy doesn't even need to be here. He's too good. It, it can be anything. It can be really like, it all depends on a kid and environment. You might even have a same level youth club. The other club has academy, other doesn't. So there it could be also like, it doesn't guarantee that you have academy level in academy team in every club most likely you don't so that that is if i would have an answer to that i would make a million summer yeah well <laughs> and, and it's funny you know it's funny you say that and you actually bring a good point 
very, very, very good point. Um, our uh, because obviously you got city size, right? So some of the smaller towns, their academy won't be as good. Forget about smaller, like even within our clubs, because our club, some of our clubs are really large. This part of the city's team, their first team will be like the third team from the other part of the city, which is a lot, a lot bigger. So I could see that. But what I was basically trying to get at is just a relative comparison of like, is the difference between grassroots and y'all don't have a clear as clear defined grassroots in academy? Is it like night and day? Yeah. But it gets it gets it's very relative. I know it's hard. Yeah, that gets I I can't answer that. That that is. Uh, okay, that's fine. That's a tough one. That one. Nah, Next, I have to pass. That. Now, <laughs> is there any form of pay to play? And now we've gone fast forward. I'm assuming there was no form of pay to play when you were coming up. And I don't mean like the parents paying a little bit to help out. I mean, parents bankrolling the, the program in order to get fully fledged coach could be part time, but paid, you know, the parents paying a thousand euros, 2000 euros a season. Pay to play as we know it. Is there any form, to your knowledge, is there any form of pay to play in Finland? No, but your playing has a price tag because if you join this club, this is our seasonal budget and we all chip in. But the club determines, not the parents. Like it's not like we form a team now and the parents determines, oh, this is what we're going to pay. It comes from the club. Club says if you play for this team, the budget is let's say thirty thousand a year. How you raise that money is up to you. So it's not like okay, I'll bring my, probably they will divide that and then do fundraising whatever that is. But the big picture comes from the club. This is the cost what we have to do if we want to go extra tournament. Then we have to raise the money somehow. But in part of pay to play is even though they offer scholarships and stuff. At its most strictest definition, they're only taking the kids who can afford to be on the team. Do you think that characterizes any of the, the Finland system in general? Probably a certain extent. But then there is always those foundations that they figure out. So if they really want to have the kid in a team, they will get the kid in the team. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not yes. like, oh, you couldn't bring. No, that will be in the team. That kid will never be dropped out because you can't afford it. I can't see that happen. All right. So now we're going full circle because we like five more minutes. How are kids scouted for the national team? Through the national leagues. The so leagues that league that you play. played in, that's where those, the Finland national team scouts would be looking. Yes. And then do Most they ask you to come to a camp or something? You don't do camps really. <laughs> <laughs> so they they have the, the younger ages they have national tournaments and then they have the older ages they have national leagues and normally they scout from those because pretty much it's self-regulating that the best kids will most likely be of course there's those one-offs from the system but it narrows down because of the tiered system so most likely the best kids in that town, they will be in that best team who is competing in the bigger picture. Okay, so a couple more. All right, so now I got my 10-year-old. I'm a crazy American. I come there. I think my 10-year-old is really good, okay? Everybody else doesn't think he's that good. And I see um, that you know, kids who get signed or play with this top big club, they get three days of training, they get this paid coach, blah, blah, blah. And, and I want that for my child. They don't play for that team, but I want them to get that type of experience. What options are available for me? Make the kid play better or make the team. <laughs> it's just the other option. Like, you can't pay yourself in unless you are major sponsor you know what i mean like there's always that corrupted way to do it 
Well, but, yeah. So let me let me and let me tell you for the listeners' perspective how it works in the states. We have an academy program here with with our local big club. Okay. If my child is not good enough to make that academy team, there are other clubs who offer pound for pound exactly what that academy club offers, coaching offers, program offers. We're not going to get into the merits of either because that would just be too confusing. But on paper, if you have bullet points of everything the academy offered, check, 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 and you pay for it. So you're not you're not paying to get part of the academy system. You're just saying, in my case, in this analogy, oh, he didn't make Arsenal, so I'm gonna get the uh, Arsenal. I'm gonna get this other guy who was a former Arsenal player who has a club, and he's gonna he's gotten all the best players who didn't make Arsenal, and now he's gonna train and and gonna give me the exact same training. At least that's what he says. Do you you don't have that because you don't have any type of pay to play, right? Exactly. The first you make the team, and then we're talking about how much it costs. So that's yeah, a so starting point. It. Yeah, yeah. The, the, and you don't budget, have. Yeah. Do you have a former professional saying that works to the best of your knowledge off off the grid that says I'm going to form a team and I'm going to form my own club and I'm going to train you guys the way you should be done? You don't have that. No, not going to happen. Okay. No, and that's fine. The answer is no. And I have a list. I just go through the list because here, like my my son's club, for example, is founded by guy used to be professional, blah, blah, blah. This is very unique. Now they do have some of this in different parts of the world. Like Asia has a lot, Latin America has it, but a lot of places they don't. Okay, so now we're almost done. The culture of individual training, and we talked about it in other podcasts, the culture of individual training. Are there clinics two days a week, one day a week, supplemental training popping up in Finland to your best of your knowledge? It is getting bigger now. And I don't see that as a bad idea. It says now we have to go down to it. What do they do there? So now it becomes about the clinic. I don't see supplemental training is a bad idea at all some points you don't have a for example dad coach who knows what they're doing or you or you can't even be there you're busy you just or you're in a wheelchair so you are not physically able to help your kid i don't see that as a bad idea to having supplemented training but what are they doing in that training i always think this way what you can't well i always tear it down what you can't do in, uh, let's say, uh, let's go this way. What you can do home, you shouldn't do in a private training, right? But you, what you can't do in a team training, that you should do in a private training. You know what I'm saying? I know. exactly. So, like, so in other words, I say it to you like American, I ain't going to pay somebody to play with my kid. But there's some there's some knowledge transfer and such stuff you should that if I am gonna pay somebody, hopefully someone I'm paying knows what they're doing. And the coach in the team environment doesn't have time to help me fix, you know, my first touch. Exactly. Let's this is the best one. If you go to somebody and you pay $50 somebody to lay 10 cones down, that's a waste of time because you can lay those cones down yourself. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. In a private training, you have to train things what you can't do at home. Yes. And in a private tra- and in team training, you train things what you can't do at home either. I need to so put you in the uh, environment. Yeah, you need to be the spokesperson anytime soccer training. So <laughs> now the final thing, and this again is no judgment, and we just want to get into understanding the culture, okay? It's no judgment. The typical if I was in a helicopter and following a typical Finnish kid around for 365 days, what sports am I going to see them playing? Ice hockey. Really? Number one sport by far. It's like Canada. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't know why I didn't know that. Yeah. Second spot, nothing. Third spot, maybe soccer. And the fourth spot is soccer. Yeah. (laughs) It's like in Canada. That's why it's easy for me to be in Canada 
because in Finland, you were in the same situation. Don't use that we're not number one uh, sport in the country. I know what it is. Yeah. Okay. So, so they, so ice hockey is number one. And, and then in terms of multi sports, will they play soccer six months and uh, ice hockey six months or something else six months? Or do they don't think about it like that? There's different options. Some, I'm not against multi sports, but what is the definition of a multi sport? If hmm. my, if my boys, you know, let's take summertime. They ride their bike, they go swimming, and they jump on a trampoline. They are multi-sports, but they're not in a multi-sport organized multi-sport. Absolutely. So there's a difference too. I don't believe in organized multi-sports because now you're always in a structured environment and you're always busy to go next place. You're, you have to leave from here to be late somewhere else. Yes. So but if you if, do have two sports, I would pick this is my priority and this goes around it. Absolutely. So and so just in understanding the culture of Finland, though, so I agree with that. But let's the culture. Let me use England. They don't even think about it. It's not even something they would think about because soccer is so dominant. Everything else revolves around it. And then they'll have you'll have the kid here and there who falls in love with athletics or falls in love with basketball, but they'll be the odd one out. But in Finland, but but American culture is not like that. My sons can watch American football, basketball, soccer. They look at it all just sports. In Finland, how does the kid does the kid the do kids see multi-sports as equal or different or ice hockey and then maybe some soccer or what so hard to say like some likes multi-sports some are hardcore and then you have this oh hockey is stupid also with soccer you know what i mean it's always that debate and then you have the people in the middle <laughs> you have people in the middle okay yeah so. And, and so what it sounds like it's it's not england and it's not the states it's somewhere in between because england is football Yes. You know, Latin America, football. And then America, it's tractor pull. Trifecta. Yeah, it's a trifecta, <laughs> right? And then and then it sounds like Finland, because I didn't know ice hockey was just uh, most part. I don't know why I should have, but still I I, I forgot that. So that kind of makes sense to me. Hey, Tuka. So I went through the whole battery of questions, man. And these are hard questions. And I tell people all the time, a lot of times when people want to agree to do the interview. I'm like, you're not going to know all this stuff, but we just want to get it on tape and just see what you, you know, what, what you do know, what you don't know. It is what it is. It is what it is. And thanks for being a good sport just to, so that we can get perspective on what youth soccer pathways would be available if our child lived in Finland. And if I had to summarize it, I moved there. Everything is run by the club system. There are no private enterprise type opportunity uh, not opportunities but companies that offer soccer there really aren't municipalities that have their separate uh leagues like they do in the states it's all run under one federation that federation creates their district leagues their regional leagues their national leagues it's pretty transparent the big clubs have an academy system that runs parallel with their uh club teams but that academy system uh, supplements, in many cases, those club experiences, unlike in the UK, where you're just completely attached to the academy system. There is likely some scouting going on, but it's not at the level as a UK where they're looking at seven-year-olds and trying to sign you and that kind of stuff. But at the same time, if you're really good, you're going to get um, plucked to be in one of the larger clubs. National teams select from those national leagues, trainings three to four days a week, and parents don't pay an arm and a leg, but the expectation is you'll contribute some, and a lot of the money is is uh, is is uh, made through fundraising. So I think I touched basically almost as much as I can, and if I have any follow-up questions, you're on the Facebook group. We can post questions in the Facebook group as well. And then I can also ask you as well. It'd be fun. 
Anytime. Man, this has been an exhausting one. That was just a warm-up, wasn't it? That was just one. Hey, <laughs> thank you so much for your time. Guys, this is Neil Crawford, Anytime Soccer Training. Make sure you check out Soccer Factory TV. We're going to post a YouTube channel in the, in the show notes as well. And let's get better together.